Okay, we're going to Acts 6. Acts chapter 6. And I want to begin with a story. It's been around for years. And uh, it, it probably is custom made for today's message. The story goes that a man's driving down the road and he's behind a very large truck. But he begins to notice a strange thing. At every stoplight, the truck driver jumps out. He, he gets a baseball bat and he pounds on, hits the side of the truck. Then he jumps back in the truck and takes off. And after seeing this for five or six stoplights, this driver who's behind him, his curiosity got the best of him. So at the next light, he jumps out of his car, runs up to the driver who's beaten on the side of the truck, and he said, hey, man, what, what are you doing? And the driver said, well, it's like this. I got a one-ton truck, and I got two tons of canaries, and I got to keep one ton in the air or this truck won't run. Well, have you ever felt that way, like you've got more canaries than you can carry? Well, I have. I think every business person has, every preacher, every mom and dad, and probably every student have felt this way at some time. I got so much content in the cargo container of my life that sometimes I'm just too weighed down to move forward. So if you've ever felt like that, you are not alone. And today I want to talk a little bit about too many canary syndrome and how to deal with it. It's not easy. Everybody has a little take on it, but maybe I can throw out a couple of thoughts to be helpful. We're in our third week of a series we call Standing Your Ground in a Culture of Chaos. Whole lot of shaking going on. In week one, we talked about dealing with chaos we create all by ourselves. The devil didn't do it. The, the government didn't do it. I did it. It's our sinful rebellion and decision to do something or we make an unwise decision, maybe we didn't intend to, but we do, and we create for ourselves a lot of chaos. And we talked about the need to confront it head on, take full responsibility, ask the right questions, listen to the right people, and taking the right steps for follow-up. Last week, we talked about dealing with the chaos we encounter in the world around us, that even when things happen outside of our control, we need to acknowledge God is still ultimately in control of even the most out-of-control situations. And we need to confront that chaos by taking charge of the areas we can. It's doing what I can. You know, I have to, I am so irritated at Marshall Road. This was supposed to have been done last year, finished. We're making more progress on 281 than a dipstick three-lane Marshall Road. And I realized today you couldn't turn into Marshall Road off 281 if you were going southbound, only if you're coming northbound. And, of course, they didn't inform us, so we could email you. So out of the chaos, we have to do the best we can. And I think last night we sent out some emails to let you know, give a little more time getting here. I don't know how you'll get here, you, what route you'll have to take. Now, that's chaos I can't control. Right? There are some things we can do. And God says, you do what you can do. And don't forget, I'm still in control of the world. I control the seasons and the times. I pull up leaders. I pull down leaders. So I, I don't care what you think. No one party, political, no one situation is under the control of man totally. God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. 
even your out-of-control situation. That's good to know. Okay, today we're going to look at the chaos of too much cargo. And I'm talking about the chaos of a full plate. You know, it's the chaos you experience day in, day out, where you have more to do than you can possibly get done. And whether it's your business, a church, a ministry, a class, whatever it is, it's growing exponentially. And that's a good thing. Have you ever been there? Every day you have time maybe to do six big things, and every day ten big things get added to the list. We're in the midst of one week to go for Chosen, and it's chaotic around here. There's more to do than we can get done, and everybody's doing what they can do. It's stressful. It's extremely frustrating because it means that important matters sometimes get neglected. So today we'll look at a story that takes place in the early days of the church. It's a brand new organization, the church. It's filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and God's moving among the people every day, and it says every day numbers were being added to the church. Every day people were coming to Jesus. Every day urgent needs and matters of importance were being presented to the leaders that required their attention now, and it was up to the apostles to find a way to get things in order. Can you imagine you live in a Jewish culture, you live in a Jewish community, you live with Jewish people, and you've had your religious order, and Jesus Jesus shows up and wrecks the whole thing. Now women suddenly have a voice and women are included. Gentiles are included. Uh, Racism, uh, classism, uh, uh, what do you call it, genderism with male and female, all that goes out the window. And it's tough. I don't care who you are, that required major adjustment. And it's happening every day so fast, they're having to make decisions to bring down the chaos, and to establish some order. And that'll happen if your business grows, uh, if you're in medical practice and you are seeing all the patients you can. If you're going to do better, you're going to have to enlarge your capacity to do more. Now, God was behind all this growth, but as I mentioned last week, we can't expect God to gift wrap all the details of how to do it and deliver them on our doorstep with a pretty pink bow tied around it. See, and we've all faced this at different times. We got different challenges. We're expected to do our part by God. We can't just say, well, let God handle it because he'll say, no, Sparky, you handle it. I'm filling your life with these opportunities and sometimes a lot of blessing, and it's up to you to manage them well. So here's the story. Since the day of Pentecost, the church had exploded with growth, and as part of the outreach to the community, they had set up a system of daily distribution of food to those that are in need. And that's pretty much our heritage in the church from the very beginning, the ministry of compassion. From the very beginning, we've been looking out for the needs of others. Even in ancient times, each Jewish synagogue had the custom of collecting money and food from those in the marketplace, from private individuals, and those resources were redistributed to those in need who were unable to care for themselves. And I'm so proud of this church because even though we're not the biggest or the richest, we've still been generous and we we sponsor two schools, and we give them year's supply. We help the teachers with supplies, with food packs and pantries. We look after all of the children in Bear County in the Child Protective Services and get the gift they want. We don't just throw toys down and say, well, take something you like. We get them what they want every Christmas for years. And I love that. 
Because that's what we are supposed to do. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. So I want to be part of a community that has, in good times and in economic bad times, we still honor those less fortunate than us. So the early church was continuing that custom. However, because of rapid growth and now cross-cultural makeup in the church, different races and backgrounds are coming in, some of that discrimination has surfaced and problems had arisen. Now, most of the believers in the early church were Jewish. They fell into one of two categories, local Palestinian Jews who still spoke Aramaic and Greek-speaking Jews. Those are the people who converted to Judaism or who had come from a foreign country and didn't speak the ancestral language. That second group was considered a lower class of Jew. So in today's story, it comes up that their leaders are complaining about their widows are being overlooked in the food distribution. Hmm. Well, that's the context. Now we read it, Acts chapter 6, seven verses. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, how many of you know when you rapidly do anything, you get problems? If your business rapidly grows, you're going to have problems? Right. If your ministry in a church starts growing rapidly, you're going to find some problems. There won't be enough parking places. We need more security. We need more help because you're growing. All right. Okay. I'm just st- don't just make this religious. Apply it to your life, your family, your business, your sales, whatever you do. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. So there's discontent, rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying their widows are being neglected and discriminated against in the distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. Also, brothers, why don't you select seven men who are well-respected, that's a good key, full of the Spirit of God and wisdom? (laughs) I'm charismatic, okay? But I kept my brain. And the Bible says... Find seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. You can be full of the Spirit and dumb as a rock, okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I guess I won't make national TV. Well, I I don't care. And I'm too old to care. I don't care. All right. So he says, these seven guys, we're going to give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Makes good sense. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following men, Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, and uh, Parmaeus, and Nicholas of Antioch. Well, anyway, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers, it says, greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests got converted to Jesus also. So, in this story, we see how the apostles took control of the situation that was on the verge of getting out of control and causing a lot of problems, and they took some simple, practical steps that would enable them to deal with the demands of a growing ministry. Okay. Now, when they heard that there were issues on this distribution of food, they said, in effect, this is a matter that needs to be resolved but it represents more canaries than we have capacity to carry as 12 leaders. So let's reassess our priorities. 
Let's rethink our strategy for getting stuff done, and let's recruit qualified people to help us do it. And that's what they did. Now, if you're dealing today with the tyranny of a full plate, and you have more cargo than you can carry, in general, that's a good thing most of the time. Being busy is good. It beats unemployment. When you're busy with the right things, being busy is good. Because it means doors are opening, opportunities are expanding. Yeah, and problems will emerge. I have a friend who started his own consulting business a while back, and he spent weeks waiting for the first client and weeks more for the second client. And I remember him saying, what I wouldn't give to have too much work to do. I'm tired of not enough to do. Fortunately, most of us have the opposite problem, more opportunities than we have time to pursue, more canaries than we have the capacity to carry. So some see the solution to the problem as, I need less canaries. I need less on my plate. That's wrong. However, those who learn to stand strong in a culture of chaos will say, I don't want less cargo. I want a bigger cargo container. I don't want less on my plate. I want a bigger plate. Now, if that's you, I want to suggest three things you can do to help increase your capacity to get things done. Like I said, all of this is relative to your needs. Uh, you'll have to apply it to yourself. Number one, keep an eye out for uncovered bases in the midst of, of chaos, in the midst of growth and problems in a restaurant, a business, a ministry, a church, problems will emerge that you didn't have when you were small. You didn't have to do it. Okay, so i got to watch out for uncovered bases. So the situation between these Hebraic Jews and Grecian Jews became an uncovered base. It was something slipping through the cracks. It was a serious matter that had been overlooked, but it shouldn't be overlooked anymore. So the apostles could have dismissed the complaint saying, well, no matter what you do, somebody's going to find something to gripe about. They could have said that because often, not always, often it's true. People are going to complain even when their complaint has no validity. However, a wise leader can discern the difference between frivolous whining thumb sucking and a real problem that needs to be resolved. Just because you're busy, just because you've got a lot on your plate, doesn't give you permission to ignore the needs of others, as a church particularly, or to ignore problematic situations. Same in a business, right? That, that's what ineffective leaders do. You show me a business no longer in business, and I'll show you a group of leaders who ran that business who paid no attention to uncovered bases. Now, you show me a church on the verge of closing its doors, I'll show you a church that turned a deaf ear to meeting the needs of the community and people. It became irrelevant, like Jurassic Park. You know, it missed the transition. It didn't see what was coming. <laughs> there, there are many who think, if I ignore the problem long enough, it'll go away. Who told you that? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Bad will never get better longer. If you just ignore the marriage problem, it's going to end up in divorce court. If you ignore the legal problem, it's going to cost you a fortune and be all kinds of problems to you. You want early detection, whether it's ministry or business or your health. Early detection can save your life, save money, and save trouble, right? Even doctors say early detection. You know, one guy, one, you feel a lump in the shower, and you think... 
well, maybe it'll just go away. No, don't give that sucker a chance to grow. Go check it out. Either cut it out or find out it's benign and forget it, but do something quick. If you see a financial problem emerging, deal with it quick. Cut the expenses. Do something rapidly. Uh, I've learned from some good people in a financial crisis how to act swiftly to keep it from being catastrophic. Early decay. Is any, honey, have my eyes gone? Is anybody here? Oh, okay. Okay. It isn't going to go away just because you ignore it. You got a problem causing you problems, it's not going to go away. Well, I've had four jobs. I've just worked for stupid bosses, really. <laughs> it just appears that you're always in, in the midst of stupid. Wherever you go, you go. You know, you might want to address that issue, all right? If I just leave the door open, some of these canaries will fly away, and I won't have to deal with them anymore. That's not the way to develop strength in the midst of a of chaotic situation. It's not going to help you. No matter how hectic things may be, you still need to keep an eye out for an uncovered base. Keep an eye out for unmet needs. You still need to keep an eye out for opportunities. God may bring in you an opportunity in the midst of a crisis. A couple of our guys that run restaurants have suddenly said to me, we never considered takeaway, but it's become so big, we're going to keep it even after the COVID limitations are lifted. It's become a great opportunity. We just didn't see it. That's even high-dollar restaurants, right? So this situation between Greek-speaking Jews and Aramaic-speaking Jews was really an opportunity in disguise to increase the church's effectiveness in serving other people, other races, and an opportunity to create a whole new ministry option for believers. The apostles chose seven men and appointed them as deacons, servants of the church. They didn't govern the church, they served it. And they came up with this plan because of the second thing I want you to see today, to deal with the chaos of having too much to do. Number two, keep an eye out for solutions that won't compete with your priorities. Keep an eye out for solutions that won't compete with your main priorities in life. The apostle said, in effect, yep, this is a problem, needs to be addressed now, but we got another problem. Our top priority and our assignment is teaching, preaching the Word of God. And if we devote all of our time to food distribution, as important as that is, we won't have time to tend to what God called us to do above everything else, which was preaching the Word. So it's not that preaching is more important than serving or preaching is more important than meeting the needs of other people. Both need to be done. But the apostles couldn't do it themselves. So they got creative and they came up with a plan that did not compete with their top priority of preaching God's Word. So here's what I'm saying. One mistake we make when our schedules become too full is that we start chopping things from our schedule. Now, it's a good thing if you're eliminating non-essential, time-wasting things that don't add value, but add more to your plate. And so when our schedule chopping causes us to overlook important matters, that's bad. That's going to hurt you. You know, eliminating TV, all right, that's good. Eliminating ministry to people in need is not good. See, don't kill your spiritual life. I'm amazed that people with kids and schedules and PTA and soccer, and they've got this meeting and that meeting and this business meeting and that obligation, and I'm a member of the club, and I've got to go to the gym. Pretty soon, you'll be smoking dope. <laughs> 
like, I can't handle all this. I know what I'll do. I'll give up my class at church. I'll just give up church because I'm so tired. Well, great. That's like spiritual suicide. That is an essential. Your spiritual well-being is first. Seek first the kingdom of God, not last, first. You want to cut away the non-essentials, not God. I'm not going to die spiritually for the sake of a career or, 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 any, or lose my family for the sake of a career. That's a bad choice when you have good values. So let's don't make that mistake. See, and, and neither do we want to make this mistake. The second mistake is that when our schedule becomes too full, we allow ourselves to be distracted from our main priority. You know, even the enemy can bring some good things to you that, if you're not careful, can take you out of your main priority and distract you. We're easily distracted in our culture. Easy. Priority one for the apostles was to preach the Word. Simple. A very close second was distributing food to those in need because they were having a real problem in the city. The apostles couldn't do both, so they came up with a plan that allowed both to be done while they kept their top priority. A friend told me recently he had become tired of the tension between knowing he was called to be the spiritual leader of his family and knowing he needed to be the primary breadwinner as well because his breadwinning had him gone all the time. So he and his wife came up with a solution that involved him working a bit less, earning a bit less, but the family spending less and having more time together to do what mattered as a family. Smart. Obviously, a man has to work, and a family needs money to live, obviously. But they were able to come up, in their case, with a solution that didn't compete with what really mattered in their lives, which was the family. They don't want to destroy the family for a career. I'm not going to destroy my soul for a career. We have a, we have a, a good brother in our church who's a leader, and a few years ago, the company was asking too much of his life so that he was away from the family, and they even wanted in industrial construction, wanted him to stay during the night, all night. Now, if it's a crisis, it's a short-term crisis, sure, step up, pay the price. But if it's just regular, where I don't have any time at home at night with my family, then something needs to give. And he went to the supervisor told them the problem, very courteous, worked with excellence, but they wanted, the, he wanted their body, soul, and spirit. They wanted, to, they wanted him to sell his life to them. He said, I can't do that. So all I'm asking is I want to be home most nights with the family, but I'll work early. I'll work all day. They wouldn't have that, and so they, on good terms, parted company. That took guts. wonder if, if you'd do that, if it was threatening your family threatening your spiritual life. What, what, what would you do? You know, these idiots that in Hollywood, all these little couch seekers say, oh, I'll get you a part. You give me your body. You give me your life. You better think about it. Uh, what's the reward for the risk here? Yeah. Am I going to, for my career, am I going to give my soul away? I hope not. I mean, there has to be a boundary for everybody. And I, I'm real cautious about that because everybody's boundaries, you know, are somewhat limited. What a wife may accept or husband and family. You have to make that adjustment for you. Uh, don't let a preacher make it. You need to make it that, that what's best for you. But if you got too much on your plate, you have to decide, I, I, I got to get a bigger plate and I'm going to need some help. Now, we come to this with the attitude that says, I'm not going to eliminate anything important and vital from my life. 
I'm going to keep my top priority my top priority. Now, when that's your attitude, the right solution generally will present itself. If your plate's too full, there is a solution that doesn't involve dismissing the needs of others, compromising your values. It doesn't involve you setting aside your top priorities. If you seek out a solution, I guarantee you, you'll find it. If you say, God, this is not, this can't continue. I need help. And I'm going to submit my resumes. I'm going to put myself out there while I have this job, but I want out of this. I'm telling you, I, I, in the few instances I've been involved in it, God has come through with an opportunity. It may have been not quick, but it came through. And I'm simply saying, if, if you'll seek and knock, God says you'll find and ask. Ask the Lord for that opportunity. He wants to help you, okay? It, it usually comes in the form of the third thing I want you to see. Here's the last one. To deal with chaos or having too much to do, keep an eye out for what others have to offer. Keep an eye out for what others have to offer. Now, I know this is so simple because uh, we're talking about too much to do. And we got families with so much to do and wives with so much to do and some having to homeschool because uh, the kids are not at home and a working mom. It's, it must be chaotic. It must be having to figure this out. But you need help. Two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. That's teamwork. See, if you sit back in this church and say, well, somebody else will give, somebody else will volunteer, somebody else will do it. If everybody has that added, pretty soon nobody does it. Everybody figures somebody else will do it. No, my job is, what's my part? What can I do? What am I able to do? And I'll do that. So the apostle said, here's a job desperately needs to be done. And look, we got seven men well-respected, filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Let's get them plugged into the ministry. And these seven men were ideal for the job because the apostles had been doing their job. Their job was to teach and preach the Word of God and help these people develop so they could become fully devoted disciples. And the Bible says they were filled with the Spirit. They got filled with the Spirit sitting under the apostles' teaching. The Bible says they were full of wisdom. They got that wisdom sitting under the apostles' teaching. And if the disciples had spent all their time waiting on tables rather than preaching, these men wouldn't have been available. They wouldn't be mature. They wouldn't have wisdom. They wouldn't be ready to step in and help. So while the apostles were preaching and teaching the Word of God, they were also paying attention to the b- believers around them and other leaders in the church. They want to check them out. Who's carrying what gift and how they were growing in their faith and how committed they were to right living. And when the time was right, they plugged these guys right in to the area of ministry that was needed. So if your plate's too full, it's not that God wants you to toss out some of the good stuff on your plate. It's that he wants you to find a way to share what's on your plate with others. I want you to think of some of the things that are creating overflow in your daily schedule and ask, who can I recruit to join me in this endeavor? If you're serving in an area of ministry that's become kind of unwieldy, before you let go of it, consider a partner. Consider building a team around you. I find this. I can get up all day until I decompose up here and say, we need help. Nothing happens. But if I go to somebody, put my hand on them and say, Roger, I need you. 
I need you to help me do this. Will you come, uh, I'm making this up, on Thursday at 7, and will you register the people that are coming in? I need you on the table to help me. I got too many canaries. I don't want to give up anything on the plate. I want to expand it, and to do it, I need you to help me. And if you'll go, listen, I went around here grabbing every single guy I could find. I got three, got them to the table out there, and got them signed up to volunteer. Now, they knew the need. They had friends of mine. I knew them uh, either personally or by seeing them at church. And when I put my hand on them, it says, look, I need you. Cindy needs you. Chosen needs you. We need you to help you. Surely you can do it. Well, of course they could. Of course they could. They just needed a little incentive. And I put my Glock away as I took them, <laughs> as I took them to the table. <laughs> I sometimes wish that's what I had. It'd make recruitment real easy, wouldn't it? Yeah. So wives, you can put your hand on your husband and say, Fred, you're going out there with me right after the service, and we're going to help. You, you can either go Friday night or you can do Saturday, but you're going to do something. You're not just going to sit at home and hope somebody else will cover it. And remember, now that more people are coming in, we need more help. We need, we need helpers. I was asking my wife, when are we going to open the cafe? She says, when we get some volunteers, that'll help us. Well, hello, we got any coffee drinkers out there, future baristas? We need help. You could sign up at that volunteer table and say, I'll help in the cafe on Saturday or on Sunday at a particular time. It always comes down to help. Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Even Jesus had a problem. And so be a solution. Don't be the problem. I, I, we, I, I knew somebody that had several years ago been a great teacher to young people. And I went to this wonderful gal who are, who's a friend, uh, she and her husband, and I said, I need you to teach this class. You're a natural. You have proven experience. You did it for years. You've been out of it for years. It's time to re-engage. I'll help you. I'll fund you. I'll come in the class. I'll get you. And now she runs the whole thing. It's great. Just re-engaged. And now we can get, get a bigger plate. We don't have to chop something because we got some more people to team up with us and recruit. If you, I've got doctor friends in here, and some of the doctors have reached their maximum. You can, how about you know you can only see so many people in a day? And they come through, the, well, that's it. And for a businessman, that's your cash flow. That's as many people as you can help. But if you can find somebody qualified to be a partner or to be an assistant to help you, you can increase the volume of business, right, and increase your cash flow and your outreach to help people. That's simple. You've got to do it. That means you also got to risk an investment of money. You're going to have to lease another building or another space or a bigger space. You've got to pay that new partner that comes in. It's a risk. But everybody booming has had to take that risk to get somebody to get a bigger plate. I don't want to cut our plate down. I want our bigger plate. I want to rip the curtains down, put 2,500 more seats up, and expand the parking lot. But we, we need teamwork. We need, you know, we can only go as far as the team goes. Teamwork only works when everybody on the team works. You might want to quote that. That'd be a good Twitter or Instagram. Teamwork only works when everybody on the team works. So 
we should always be looking for leadership qualities in other people to help us. Guys, depending on your income, if your wife is maxed out at the home with child care and homeschooling and all that and it's affordable, you might be able to help her out do more by a daycare home assistance made of someone who can come in and help once a week with the ironing or the clothes or doing something, right? Now, that, everybody can't do that, but there are some people who can do it, and it would take a little bit of a load off. All the wives ought to be amen in me right now. I need a housekeeper to help me. I need somebody. Get Molly made or somebody to come in and give me a little bit of a hand. That's spreading, that's making your capacity larger, right? So, God gives increase to opportunities in our life, He will also bring gifted people your way, and you have to look for them, watch for them. Everybody in this room carries something. There's something you can do. There's something you have. There's something you can give. There's some talent you possess, and everybody feels, I'm not good enough. I, 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 I don't think I'll be very good at that. All of us felt that way when we started. Every one of us has felt that way. I felt that way. I felt that way today. <laughs> But I just pushed on in. I didn't care. Just push it and do my best. Now, now, I know what it's like to have two tons of canaries in a one-ton truck. I know. And I know how tempting it is just to open the back door and hope they'll just fly away. More than that, I know how tempting it is to forget about driving the truck and spend all your time pounding on the cargo container with a baseball bat. But that's not God's way to do it. This is God's way. When you've got too many canaries in the truck... He wants to help you get a bigger truck. When you got too much on your plate, he wants to help you get a bigger plate. As long as you're serious about being a dedicated follower of Jesus, you'll never get to the place you have nothing to do. You'll never get to the place your schedule isn't full. That's because we're not on vacation on planet earth. This is not an extended spring break. In this life, all of us have a job to do and a world to change in expanding the kingdom of God no matter what our careers are. So the plate before us becomes bigger. The cargo container expands. When we stand strong in our commitment to serve the needs of others, stand strong in our commitment to keep our priorities straight, and stand strong in our commitment to work hand-in-hand with one another, teamwork. So three things. Watch out for uncovered bases if you're real busy. Number two, keep an eye out for solutions that don't compete with your main priorities and values. And number three, keep an eye out for what others have to offer. There's talent all around us, but it's unsolicited. Ask and you shall shall receive. Ask somebody to help you in your ministry class. Because everybody needs a break once in a while. Say, you carry that this week. Sometimes I'll get somebody else to do the offering or somebody else to do something else. Well, why don't you do it, Rick? Because I'm tired and I don't want to do it. (laughs) I want somebody to help me carry the canaries. I carry them most all the time, but I sometimes appreciate a little bit of a break. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I'm not going to kill myself. And you're not going to do it either. You shouldn't do it either. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Keeping our priorities straight, that's the most difficult thing to do, and you have to work at it every day. It's not a one-time deal. It's just something you have to walk, work at over and over again, talking about it with your spouse, making plans, changing your lifestyle occasionally, may even involve a career change. These take courageous decisions, and only God can tell you what you should do. 
but you need to do something. Don't chop out God or your spiritual life or your family for your career or for whatever growth in your business. I'm not giving my soul to a corporation or a business. No, no, no. Duties don't conflict. I'm not going to break up my marriage for ministry. Same thing. Duties don't conflict. There's time to be a husband, time to work, and time to have a spiritual life. And working in that balance is something we all have to do. Priority one is seek first the kingdom of God. That's your first priority. Put the Lord first, and you'll never come up short. He may, it may scare you a few times, but God will always come through. Always better than you thought. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.